Cast Strength, the Whiskey Podcast, brought to you by myself, Torrin, and my brother and co-host, Ronan. Follow us on Instagram at Cast Strength Pod or on Twitter at Cast Strength Pod. Enjoy the show. Slash. That's his life. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. You been up to much? First podcast, what are you thinking? Well, I'm very excited. Uh, it's very interesting drams. One that I've never tasted before and one that I've had a bottle for quite a long time that I've been sort of waiting for a, a special occasion for it to be opened. So uh, this seems like the perfect time. I know, three really quite interesting whiskies. And different as well. Aye, all very different, different peat levels in them as well. You've got an unpeated, you've got a kind of medium peat in the Glen Scotia, then you've got the box, which uh, I've never tried before. Mm. Don't know anything about. Um, so, we might as well fire straight in. Yeah. First whisky up is uh, the very hard to pronounce, uh, but I think I'm getting it correct when I say it's knock Nian. Yeah, I would... I would always look at it and think Nochneen. Um I did a wee bit of research on it to see how it would be pronounced and right, Nuknean. Nuknean? Nuknean. Nuknean. I mean uh, each, each each to their own. People pronounce Bunahav in about sixty different ways. <laughs> so they certainly do. Uh so it's a West Highland distillery. It's uh, in Drumden, uh which is on the peninsula of Morven. Uh, and if you don't know what it is, that's fair enough because I didn't have a clue. Uh, it's right across the water from the Isle of Mull, but there's no direct ferry. Right. So I think it takes quite a long time to get there. But I think from Mull you can see the distillery. Uh, I reckon it's probably a very beautiful part of Scotland. Uh, it's, so founded in 2017 and named after, this is even harder to pronounce, Nick Nick Nevin. Uh, which I've absolutely butchered. Yep. As a Scots witch, um, who, according to uh, Sir Walter Scott, rode on the storm and marshalled the rambling host of wanderers under her grim banner. What do you think of that? Well, that's fair enough. Um, I don't know what that means. Not a not, not a scooby in that side of things. Um, I, I don't know many Scottish witches. Um, yeah, we'll go on. Uh, so yeah, founded in twenty seventeen. Really quite interesting, Scotland's first fully organic modern distillery powered by 100% renewable sources. See, this is one of the things that attracted me to it. I mean, some people would just say, well, it's just a big marketing point, but uh, to actually go out and create a whole distillery uh, with that aim and not just adapt a distillery mm-hmm. to achieve certain targets or whatever, to actually design a whole distillery and is that the purpose for doing it is... It's really quite interesting. Yeah, so basically everything they do is having an environment in mind. Uh, as I say, it's 100% organic barley uh, on the west coast of Scotland. It's, it's too wet to be grown because of decent quality barley. So all the barley comes from farms on the east coast of Scotland, around about Edinburgh and north up to uh, the kind of Speyside region. Mm-hmm. And it's certified organic. Um, so that means that they don't use chemicals and they don't use kind of artificial uh, fertilisers and pesticides. Mm-hmm. Um, which basically means the yield from the barley is going to be lesser. Like it's probably more expensive than non-organic barley mm-hmm. in terms of just cost per ton. Yeah, and also your alcohol yield may be less than you would get out of uh, kind of non-organic barley. Mm-hmm. So really putting the kind of environment before 
LPA alcohol yields, yeah. um, which I find kind of very attractive, very interesting. Well, it's a different way to um, generally look at whiskey making or spirit making in general is instead of thinking of producing as much as possible for as cheap as possible, mm-hmm. for as high highest quality as possible, to sort of disregard essentially what the cost is to achieve a belief, then sort of there's a even if you don't fully believe in what they're doing, you, there's a sort of respect in what they're set out to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um so they don't just stop there. Uh, their biomass boiler is powered by wood chips sourced from a local forest. Uh, I think I read somewhere that every tree they take down, they plant a new one. Um, and all the byproducts go to animal and plant feed on the remote estate. So most distilleries that I've been to that I know, their spent uh, grain, their, yeah. their draft, will go to some lucky cows. Uh, the farmer will come collect it. Uh, sometimes the pot ale and spent lees is is uh, given to the farmer to spread in the fields as mm-hmm. fertilizer. I reckon that's what's happening in this this distillery's case. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes uh, it can be sent to a company who then turn it into biofuel. Right. So most distilleries I've heard of are kind of doing good things with their waste products, their byproducts. Um, I mean, I mean, it's the sort of thing. It's not really a hassle to give it to. Farmers have got pretty much a use for anything. Aye. So if you've got something left over, instead of trying to get rid of it, say, not, not le- legally get rid of it in some Aye. fashion. Put it to the waste, put it to put the, it, the landfill. Yeah. You might as well just give it to a farmer who has a use for it. Because um, this it just, the, makes, it just makes sense. The draft, this, the kind of spent barley, it's still got loads of sugar and it's still mm. got loads of protein. Yeah. Um, it's basically like a really kind of sweet, cereal biscuit so giving it to cows they'll absolutely love it um and the farmer gets it for kind of cheap or next to nothing uh so and you Aye, so if, you, if you take it away it doesn't cost it. Aye, so it's a win-win situation uh so that goes further the ash from the boiler goes to the distillery garden and the heat uh presumably from kind of when they finish the distillation there's still a lot of heat left in the stills mm-hmm. Uh, it goes to heating or controlling the heat in the temperature control warehouse, uh, which I'll come back to in a wee bit. Uh, so relatively small distillery, 100,000 litres uh, capacity. They've got a one-ton semi-liter mash tun. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got, I think, four or five 5,000 litre uh, stainless steel washbacks. So out of your one tonne of barley, you should get 5,000 litres of water. Right. Um, a one-ton... Um, semi louder mash tuns, pretty standard as well. It's what kind of not massive distilleries will have that, they'll have a bigger one, but you're kind of around about 100,000, 200,000 litres. A one ton mash tun, one ton mash tun, the trick. They have a one hour rest, so they're looking for a really clear wort. Um, the longer you rest, the more time the, the hot water that you've put into with the barley into the mash tun more time it has to kind of trickle down through the grain bed mm-hmm. and you're producing a clear water. If you go for a shorter rest, say a half an hour rest, you're going yeah, to get a cloudy water. And the clear water, I think it's saying you can always correct me on it, the clear water, by having a clear water you're looking for, a fruitier spirit is what you're, is what you're eventually outcome, along with some other factors. But Yeah, so you would typically find, and it's kind of just put it into two distinct categories and there's a lot of kind of factors, but you mm-hmm. typically find a clear, a clear water produces a, Light, clear, 
um, clothing flavour, I mean, kind of fruity, floral, mm. whereas your kind of um, cloudy wort would be more uh, grainy, mm-hmm. uh, kind of have more depth to it. Um, Is that thicker? Yeah, yeah, when yeah. It, yeah. When it comes to when it comes to the distillation side, um, but yeah, you'd find that kind of Scottish distilleries more so go for a cloudy wort, and it's typical of Japanese distilleries to go for a really clear kind of crystal clear wort. Um, but okay. it'll change from distillery to distillery. Yeah. Um, yeah so it's a sixty-five hour to one hundred fifteen hour fermentation. I've seen somewhere that it was long fermentations. Um, that's pretty standard, I'd say, uh, for the whiskey industry. What, what was that? Like 60? 65 to 115 hours fermentation. Well, if you go to the 115, that delves into the longer fermentations. Yeah, 65. Is it not something... I don't know. I think I've heard this once years ago, and whether it's actually still correct, but the average time fermentation for the whole industry, the average time is about 55 hours. Yeah, I think like when, when, you, when you pitch yeast... Your distillery, depending on what they're going for, if you're just looking to churn out loads and loads of spirit, yeah. you want your yeast to be working quickly, you want mm. full fermentation kind of in 50 hours. I'd feel you're probably wanting to go for at least 70, and the longer you go, the more estuary, the more fruity the spirit yeah. uh, should be mm. when it comes off the stills. Um, but distiller's yeast is kind of really quite aggressive, really mm. easy to work with. Pitch it. Works does its magic, produces alcohol, produces all your cognitors, uh, and then uh, you go to distillation kind of pretty quickly after that. Uh, interestingly enough, this distillery have been trialling um, with different yeast, uh, champagne yeast, red wine yeast, um, and the bottle we're going to try has been used, uh, Fermentus and Anchor Distillers yeast. So a wee bit different. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if you can taste well, you mentioned taste. Let's let's move on okay. to tasting it. We, uh, I guess it's very traditional. A half and a half, although it's a half of whiskey and a bottle of beer. Um, I've decided to open the Lachouf Blonde to go along with the Distant Nian, and most likely moving into the Glen Scotia as well. And uh, what have you got? Try I've on. got uh, Augustina. Brau München, Edelstoff, uh, really nice, kind of light lager, it's mm. really good. I mean, I've picked, I picked these up for us and picked them up from the cave in Glasgow's West End. Good shop. Um, always try to shop as, as um, sort of local and independently as possible. Um, and in saying that, actually, I ordered the McNean bottle the other day to get delivered from the Green Welly stock, which I'm sure many people have heard of, but Tyne Drum Whiskey. And I mean, being in Tyne Drum and getting it delivered to Glasgow, I was quite amazed at the next day delivery service that they offered. It's a good, uh, it's a good store, that. Yeah, uh, Green Welly stock, isn't yeah, it? It's, 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 it's very good. And I think, I think during this current situation, they're, they're operating online, but if they're offering next day delivery service from Tyne Drum, you can't, beat that, you yeah. can't argue with that. So, I've been nosing this whiskey. Do you think this whiskey's Potentially three years old, yeah. just gone three, not not any older. Really, really good on the nose. You've got a lot of lemon there, got a lot of creaminess. You can get a wee bit of the oak coming through. So what casks are we looking for that the beer are using? So this was done, and because because um, uh, late, the late Dr. Jim Swan, mm-hmm. he, he designed this distillery, so it's not unusual to find that his kind of um, 
SDR, uh, shave, toasted and recharred mm-hmm. uh, technique of uh, kind of wine barrels and bourbon barrels. They put a lot of this in use. Right, so okay. you've got 65% SDR right. and 35% first fill bourbon in this, um, in this Nicknean batch two, uh, which I should mention is 46% ABV, is unchill filtered and is a natural colour. And this is one of 5,040 bottles. Um, so pretty, pretty small batches. Yeah, yeah, pretty small batches. And uh, I do, I do always appreciate the, I don't know whether it's the analytics side, I think, like the, the stats and the interests that I have, but when distilleries will tell you it's 65% something, mm. 10% this, 5% this, and they break it down for you. I find that a lot more useful than just saying what's an extra bourbon and cherry. Uh, I, I like... It's transparency. Yeah, I like the transparency, but also like knowing, especially when you go to taste it, if it's 70%, all are also sherry. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting to know that it, it does help with you picking a bottle as well. Ah, you if know, you know, you know what you like. Yeah, and you pick what you like. Um, what do you think of that on the nose? Nose. I was getting a lot of citrus notes and mm. um, a little bit, also a little bit of pepperiness. All the nose, a little spiciness, but that could mm. just be down to the, the the first dram of the day. But I mean, if somebody gave you that. On the nose, especially, and sometimes you can try non-age um, whiskies, and they could be seven, eight, nine years old, and they smell young. Mm-hmm. They, they've got a real spirit-driven nose. Not that there's anything against that. It's that a lot of time you do want a, the spirit flavour. You want to know that there's a spirit there. But with this, there's enough spirit. Not it's, really de- it's really delicate. Yeah, no, nothing that gives away that this could be three, four years old. No, nah, um, not at all. You can tell the, the the sort of the maturation that they've used over a short period of time has really it's been effective. It's really, really effective and brought this really quite fruity, as we were discussing earlier with the, the, the water and stuff. But I think a really fruity, fruity drink. Mm. Very, very easily drinkable. Uh, it's very nice. Um, Palate wise. Loads of vanilla, mm. golden syrup. Um, you get that spiciness from the fruit, um, from the wood, and then you've got a lovely sweetness as well. But a kind of marmalade jam, really, really impressive. Um, you can tell. I mean, you're talking non-chill filter, no added colour. Forty-six percent. I've just added a little touch of water. Uh, is this the first time on you on that? If it, because it's the first time I've ever tried a Nicanean bottling or any bottling, um, I would always try it, add a little bit of water. And then if I go, <laughs> I've added too much water or I don't like it with water, I'll know, mm-hmm. the, I'll know the next time. Just start off with a drop. Mm-hmm. You can always add more. Now, I, I, I think the way this distillery has been designed has really kind of shone through in the taste of this because, as I say, Dr. Jim Swan. He was set out to design this distillery. You've got slow mashes, you've got long fermentations, you've got a kind of nearly horizontal line arm, shelling tube condensers, and you've got a high narrow spiral, spirit cut. All points towards producing a light, fruity, estuary spirit. They've produced that, you can tell, and it seems like they put it in really good quality casks. Mm. And this would be, uh, whether you believe in the sort of the whiskey regions, uh, I mean, this would be considered a Highland region. Mm. It's a West Coast, though. It's a West Coast whiskey. Mm-hmm. 
considered within the Highland region that I would say this is a lot softer mm-hmm. than what I would expect from other Highland distilleries. Aye. I would I would more associate this with a mix between a West Coast distillery yeah. and a Lowland distillery, if you know what I mean. Uh, it's not terribly different from like a Ben Nevis or something, I don't think. It's got a lot of flavour. Uh, but it doesn't fall into the character, uh, category of like Speyside or Highland. Or well, something. I would always associate a Highland distillery having a bit of heather, a bit of mm-hmm. grassiness to it. Um, sort of like a tomato or something like that. It's uh, got a bit of, so not like not to say that depth is better, but a bit behind it, a bit of thickness. Where this is very, very light, very, very gentle, mm-hmm. very, very good as well. But yeah, so. It's, it's very flavoursome, getting a wee bit of chocolate there in the palate as well. Um, quite a short finish, mm. and that's probably just down to age. Uh, you're not going to get a lingering finish. It's not peated. Uh, there is a wee bit of kind of cracked black pepper, lovely bit of vanilla again, mm. apples yeah, really in the finish. Really good. Um, however, it does lack that finish, and I think that's just down to age. I'd be really excited to try this whiskey when it's 10, when it's 12. Um, probably even eight and nine, you're gonna have a real cracker. I mean, what you're looking at—that's batch two. We're trying, and obviously, I think we're on to the latest batch I've seen released. Batch four. Batch four. Uh, I mean, to be going try batch one, although I presume those bottles will be very difficult to come a hold of. Well, to go from batch one. Did, did, did you hear what the the number one bottle went for? Bottle number one of batch one. Of batch one, yeah. No, I don't know. Did it, it go to auction? It did. So the first 10 bottles mm. went to a special auction, uh, whiskey auction year, I think. And bottle number one went for. Do you have any guesses? Mm. We'll go 25,000. Higher. Higher. Uh, it smashed the record for the first bottle from the four And four pounds. Uh, I did wonder that myself. I wondered where the four pound came from. It was maybe, like maybe on the exchange, I think. That's like something on eBay where you've thrown a wee. Uh, uh, and me, it's like two pounds, four, four some, pence or something on. Just off, oh, I win it, I win it. So, so you're reckoning that somebody's bid uh, 41,003 pounds. Aye. And the final bid uh, went 41,000. Like the last second. Four pounds, one pound more. You're talking last second to go. Aye. They've had a few drinks on a Friday night and they've went. Somebody will outbid me. And they've, find, a, they've accidentally bought a bottle for 40 grand. I'd find it quite funny if somebody was willing to bid £41,003, but they weren't willing to bid any more than that. Yeah, yeah. That's £1 has done them. Another an, another fiver to win it. Uh, no, no, I'm just, I'm bailing out that guy's win. That well, guy's win too far. Aye. So yeah. it smashed the record for the, uh, for the first bottle from a new distillery to be sold at auction. Uh, but all the money went to charity, so I don't know if the charity aspect inflates the price. Uh, doesn't matter to be honest. It all went to good causes, I think. Yeah. Uh, local causes in Morven on the peninsula of Morven, and to kind of charities within the drinks industry and stuff like that. So, I mean, ticking a lot of boxes. This is really. It is. In it's ticking a lot of boxes in a way that if you just told something about it without trying the whiskey, mm-hmm. you would sort of warm to it. It's yeah. probably where the sort of anticipation for the Canadians came from is that everything you hear about it before the whiskey's even been released, mm-hmm. you already like what they're doing. Yeah. So <laughs> when they go and release a whiskey, which is very, very good, you sort it's of just... It's hard to hate. Well, it's hard to hate, but it's it's sort of going, 
yeah, this this is this is what I expected. Mm-hmm. Them doing all the what you perceive the right things up to releasing the whiskey, and then they release the whiskey, and it's good. You go, yeah, that's the correct formula and the way to do things. Right. Um. Another thing about the bottle. What do you think of the bottle, by the way? Um, it's a wee bit ginny. It's like it's not typical Scotch whiskey. But I don't think it's yeah. a typical. I don't think it is a typical I Scotch whiskey. whiskey. I'm often someone that couldn't care less. Yeah. packaging no you shouldn't but I, it makes like, a difference I think I mean it, catch, it would catch the eye on the shelf because it is very different if, if somebody told me the best whiskey in the world came out of a cardboard box with a tap in the end well, it, it, it wouldn't bother me it, it, um, often, it often does some of the best products are your local crafted uh, I mean the fact that the bottle itself I mean it's got 100% recy- it was made from 100% recycled materials which yeah. is what you would expect the, the, in, in it obviously it's 100% recyclable so the I, tube I, as well is uh, 90% recycled materials I think it's only the paper like the outer layer of paper where the ink is printed on yeah is uh, came from non-recycled materials so you can probably even, like even it, it's not it's came from non-recycled materials yeah. but it obviously can then be recycled it's fully it's fully biodegradable I think the distillery. Uh, oh, so I just chuck it on the side of the street. It will, uh, in time, it will degrade in a bio fashion. Right. And um, the distillery, I think I seen was, I think it's ninety nine point seven percent recyclable or kind of. Yeah. Um, Shall we move on to the next whiskey then? We can do. And when we're pouring that. You can then, um, I think I actually need to open another beer. Okay, back in a few seconds. Right, do you want to move on to the Glen Scotia? Yeah, absolutely. Just going to crack a beer quickly. What, what are you trying to do? Got uh, some Lager Beer Hell. Um, again, German. Um, I think it's another Augustina. I think it's from the same brewery as the previous bottle. Um, really good, can't go wrong with it. One of your kind of best beers you can pick up in kind of any decent kind of beer and spirit shop. Yeah. Um, but uh, hopefully it goes well with the Glen Scotia. Looking mm. forward to this one. I've just cracked something quite interesting. I say quite interesting. I've not tasted it yet and whether it is interesting or not, but I'm sure it is because on the back of this lovely bottle of Tusker, this is, when you open a bottle of Tusker, you are joining the world and celebrating one of Africa's greatest original Years. Wow. Tusker has been brewed with care, craft, and love since 1922. Every crisp, clean mouthful sums up the taste, sunshine, and love of life of its African roots. I'm really looking forward to this bottle of Tusker. Sounds like a magic beer. Right. 4.2%. Uh, it's just a finest quality lager. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I don't see why it wouldn't go well with the, the Glen Scotia. It's a cool bottle, cool label. <laughs> Tusker. Moving on to the Glen Scotia and the second whiskey, uh, particularly interesting whiskey. So this is the Glen Scotia 14-year-old peated. Um, this is the Malt Festival, Camerton Malt Festival bottling of 2020. Uh, it's tawny port finish. So what's that? That's like aged port, isn't it? Quite old port, mm-hmm. I reckon. Yeah. Um, so Camelton Malt Festival, Glen Scotia. Glen Scotia is one of three distilleries in Camelton. Soon to be four. Soon to be four. <laughs> Since before, uh, the gin place Ben and Tarek are gonna open a distillery, a whiskey distillery, supposedly. 
I think, yeah. Do you think that class is Campbelltown? Um, I, I, I mean, if you've ever looked at a, a, it's a non-Diageo region map mm. of, of the Scottish whiskey regions, and Campbelltown stretches up to, to, to include that. Yeah, um, I think I think the Campbelltown region stretches up to Tarbert. But then if you built a distillery in Tarbert, would they be happy with it? Yeah, but no, nevertheless, so soon to be four. So you've got Springbank, uh, Glengyle Distillery, and then obviously Glen Scotia, which is the the owned by Loch Lomond Group. Loch Lomond Group also owning uh, Loch Lomond Distillery, Bellman Gin, Glen's Vodka. Um, so who owns them? Yeah, uh, so it's Loch Lomond Group. I think it's a Chinese consortium that own them, but Glen Scotia is probably what you're looking at the the most specialist distillery of the three. Um, so, Campbelltown Whiskey, Campbelltown Whiskey's got what everybody who's tried Campbelltown Whiskey's before has a certain funk to it. Yeah. It's got this sort of unusual character to it uh, and the fact that it's a little tawny port finish as well. So, limited edition, cash strength, 52.8%, 14 years old, peated, it's round about the 22, 20, 20, 22 to 25 ppm, what uh, I think it's 22 ppm. Yeah. Glenn's supposed to do like a heavily peated mm-hmm. uh, spirit, which is 55 ppm. Yeah. And then I think they do a medium, which is about 22. And from the nose, it doesn't, it's not full on, it's not full on smoke. So I reckon it's the it's medium more, peat. Yeah. It's, it's, more, it's typical Campbelltown though, isn't a t- it? A typical Campbelltown sort of nose, and a typical Campbelltown peated biscuit. And the sort of feeling that you get from it, it's like not smoke. Mm. It's more like dry ash, like drying embers of a fire. The, the fire's been put out, and all you're getting is just that sort of heat off the ash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get more of that from it, included with the sort of Campbelltown saltiness that's in there as well. On, um, the, on the nose, it's definitely salty coastal notes. and it's. I, I think Campbelltown's one of the like, whiskies from Campbelltown pretty recognisable on the nose like when you know something from yeah, Hamilton yeah. you're like yeah that is, that's a familiar yeah. familiar flavour out of the three distilleries since before distilleries in Campbelltown it's probably Kilkerran and Medical and Guile that's got the least recognisable Campbelltown nose yeah but I think if you were to try say a Springbank 10 or a Glen Scotia mm-hmm. this Glen Scotia 14 year old or any Glen Scotia there's that recognisable nose to it it's, it's a wee bit it's a wee bit Dirty, it's, it's, the, it's oily, the, it's, it's coastal, it's, it's the fishing boats down yeah. the bottom of the pier. It's these words that you wouldn't like to be, not yourself be described, but you wouldn't like to describe anything mm. in these words. It's got this dirtiness to it, a roughness, uh, um, like seaweed. Yeah. You wouldn't describe anything else as dirty, it's a rough, and expect it to be a good thing. Uh, but this kind of scotia has got that in the nose. Um so that, yeah, this is the Malts Festival 2020 bottling. If you've never been to the Campbelltown Malts Festival, I would, I would recommend going. Absolutely. It's a great experience. Um, just, this is one of the bottles that they release every year. So it's very, very limited edition. So it's cash strength. Cash strength. Tick. Non-gel filtered. Yep. Natural colour. Yep. Medium peat, tawny port, matured whiskey. You can't really complain. Like, if you're going to describe the perfect whiskey... I mean, Thank you. It's, got, it's got all the the sort of good things that you look for in the whiskey. In the yeah, sense. definitely. Cash strength, you can add your own water when you want and how much you want. Yeah. There's no added colourings, it's, it's non-chill filtered. You've still got all the oils, the fats and the esters in there. Yeah. That give it this slight thick juiciness to it. Mm-hmm. It's meaty. Aye. Uh, but also 
Campbelltown Funk was in there as well, as we've said. It is, it is a, it's a really, really good whiskey. Which Glen Scotia have been putting out a lot of good whiskies recently. Yeah. Um, the, the, not to, I wouldn't like to slag Glen Scotia off, but there would be a period of time that, especially under the disco cow, yeah, um, packaging that people may have not really liked Glen Scotia, but since then to now, the stuff they're putting out is a really, really high, <laughs> high quality. So, being from Campbelltown. Uh, I always have an interest in Glen Scotia Distillery. I I love this distillery, and I'll tell you why. You could probably guess that we're both from Campbellton, uh, based off of the <laughs> the slight accents and the the occasional mumblings. Maybe, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so I love Glen Scotia. Uh, I've went to tour. I had a great time. I've done tastings in there. It's just it's just a, a great distillery. Kind of. I had a, a shady, maybe not shady past, but interesting past. So it was a distillery that was founded in 1832. Yeah. It's closed at least twice, once in 1928 and once in 1984. It's had more more owners than... Livingston Football Club. Probably. Uh, it's, had, it's had more owners than you'd you'd like to imagine. There's, yeah. there's hundreds of them. It, it seems and like a distillery that's been won in a card game before. Aye, it's proper, <laughs> like, nobody wants it almost. Aye. It's like, no, 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 you have it, you yeah. have it. Um, and it's also been through, companies went bankrupt, it's been mothballed for a period of time, and also, uh, unfortunately, about 100 years ago, uh, the owner at the time, I think his name was Duncan McCallum. Right. McCallum's a very... It's a bit of Scottish name, but it's loads of McCallums in Campbelltown. Yeah. Uh, he committed suicide. Right. Uh, so I don't know if that was doing down to the business, but this is this is a distillery that's kind of been surrounded by not very happy times. Uh, interestingly enough, in is the, it sorry, but in there, but is it the is that the ghost that apparently haunts Glen Scotia? Is it? Right. I've never I, heard about the ghost. Apparently, there's some ghost, and it's a former owner. That is probably definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, making, I'm just making connections, seeing how the man. So it's had a bit of a kind of shaky past. In 1999, it was actually run using labour, so the distillers from Springbank mm-hmm. Distillery, not too far away, about ten minute walk, five ten minute walk. They were running this. They were running Glen Scotia, so it was Springbank Distillers were contracted yeah. to work in Glen Scotia. Uh, I think in 2000. It became Good Scotia had its own distillers, yeah. so obviously that makes sense. Uh, and then you mentioned the disco cow. I mean, they, were, know, they were something else. I mean, they were mad. I'd love to have a bottle of the disco, yeah. not to open it, but just to have it because they, they, they do seem like one of those things that, that became quite mm. rare and collectible of the fact that it's so bad. So, for, for those of you that don't know what the disco cow Glen Scotia was, in 2012, I think, uh, Glen Scotia decided to rebrand and they released a range. I think it included a 10, 12, 16, 18, 21-year-old. 46% unchill filtered, natural colour, so sounds brilliant. But they decided to release it in this really weird packaging that had a Highland cow on it. That you don't get in Camelton. Northern Lights. That you don't get in Camelton. Uh, and just a really strange colour to it, so they were like vibrant green, purple, blue, and I think that's how it got the name Disco Cow, because there was a cow on it, and then there was also these vibrant colours, but really, just really strange, I can mind seeing these bottles on, on the kind of shelves of the... Of the, the Nowadays, the 
nowadays it would fit right in with some <laughs> spirit packaging yeah, that you see. But but at the time it was it was fairly unusual. Definitely didn't fit the brands. You've got a really good distillery with good history. Uh, that's maybe just well, it probably fits into the kind of feeling that this distillery's maybe been mismanaged in the past. Yeah. Um, it's not. Its owners probably haven't had either uh, kind of the distillery's best interest at heart, which is which is really kind of sad. Mm. But now, it seems like this distillery's on the right path. It's like they're producing really good bottles. Yeah. Uh, and by I mean the, the drink inside the bottles, not not the actual not the actual branding. Yeah. But Although the branding is a lot very good as well. Yeah. Because, um, like, interesting enough, this distillery was mothballed, and then when it w- went back into production, it was only producing 13% of its capacity from 2000 to 2007. Mm-hmm. It's such a strange period. Uh, and then I think it rose slightly in 2011 mm-hmm. to something like 17% of its production. It sounds like mismanagement. It's a very good spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, this spirit was made 14 years ago. So it's not. It's not the changes made in the last five years that have improved the spirit. The no. spirit's been good. It's just the management, the branding, it, it and all, the marketing's been bad. Yeah, it almost seems like it's still when you're when you're being mismanaged, and mothballed, and resurrected, and so on. It almost seems like a distillery that never really had an identity. Aye, like it didn't know what it was trying to be. Aye, it, it just needed somebody to come in with an idea, whether right or wrong, mm-hmm. and and define what it was producing. Well, it's quite it's quite a strange distillery, and even when it started, because its name's Glen Scotia. Yeah, Glen before the distillery name isn't associated with Campbelltown mm-hmm. distilleries, even though you've now got Glengyle distillery as well. True, but, yeah. but that's uncommon. Yeah, this, the Campbelltown distilleries were like Dallin Tober distilleries, Weir Clacken distilleries. Actually, they were they were street names. They were aye, parts of Campbelltown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely Hazelburn distillery. They yeah. were parts of the local area. Yeah, calling it Glen Scotia sounds like the most Scottish knockoff name ever, but uh, that was a name given to it in 1832, and there must have been a reason for that. Um, but it already just a name, it doesn't quite fit into the kind of Campbellton way, yeah. way of going about. But it's a bloody good whiskey, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and going from that, it's, it's a slight shame that obviously being from Campbellton. You're sort of attending the Campbelltown Malts Festival is a sort of well, it is a sort of tradition and, and it's great fun and and you get to sort of wander around three distilleries and try their, their little secrets that they've got hidden in the warehouses and stuff and it's through this sort of time it's it's a shame to see uh, malts festivals and stuff go online or, or cancel completely. Maybe they don't have the capacity to do online events and uh, recently the Malts Festival, Campbelltown Malts Festival they've stated that more than likely in twenty twenty one are going to be online again. Same with the Fragile, it's it's going to be online, mm. and it's I've never been to Isla for the festival, so I wouldn't like to comment on that. But Supposedly, it's madness. Well, yeah, you can imagine it's madness, and the queues are ridiculous. But the the Camptown Festival brings something else to Camptown that that I don't think any other industry really could. Yeah. The influx of people at the end of May to to stay in the hotels, the campsites, the caravan sites, to go to the does bars, a lot for the community. Go to the restaurants, buy your breakfast and stuff in shops. Uh, what it does for not the three just the three distilleries, but the community within Campbelltown, yeah. it, it really benefits and it's a it's a shame to see the festivals move online 
even although people will still get to try really nice whiskies and, and that's yeah. a great thing. But it's, it's for, a, for the, the essentially for tourists for whiskey enthusiasts to go to Campbelltown and spend their money or to go anywhere and spend their money yeah. in local shops. It, it will have an effect yeah, for everywhere that has a it's the trickle down effect. It's as you give your money to that distillery for a tasting or a special malt festival bottle. Yeah. Which you which we have. Yeah. We have purchased that malt festival bottle to support our local distillery. But could you imagine you have to go to Campbelltown, you have to then you you're in hotel the hotel, room. you're in the local cafe. Yeah. There's, 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 so there's it's not, not chains in Campbelltown. It's not a multinational cafe. Yeah. You know so I mean? it's, it's not not just the forty quid or whatever yeah. that you've spent on the bottle. It's the It's the hotel room. It's the hotel it's, all the other things yeah. that, that, that uh, when I've seen that festivals are moving online or continuing to move online, mm. so I think it gets me really. Is the, the extra little bit? Well, obviously now it's it's unavoidable. Like you don't need. But I, I'm not. To, I'm not arguing that. No, I know, I know, I know. But you, what I mean by that is, you just you want the traditional festival to come back. You don't want it all to move online. You, mm. know, you know, like well, well. Um, cinemas ever ever recover from this because surely sitting in your house watching a film yeah. is easier than going yeah. to the cinema. And the popcorn is cheaper. Uh, uh, is, the house. is whiskey festivals just going to move online from now on? I really, really hope they don't. I hope they don't in the sense that uh, someone who will host tastings and stuff for, yeah. for a living. Mm. I absolutely hate doing online tastings. I, I hate anything that's online. Yeah, really backwards people sitting here. Uh, <laughs> anti-technology recording uh, a podcast. Technophobes. I, the, the, I hate doing them because you don't get the same interaction. You don't get to see or feel mm-hmm. the enjoyment that's when you're telling someone about the whiskey. You don't get to feel the enjoyment that they're actually appreciate, appreciating it as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's good in some aspects. You can, you can do five tastings a week. With uh, five different countries, five different whiskey clubs within those countries and stuff, and that's that's yeah. brilliant. You want to meet the people. You want to meet the people. Uh, you want to feel their appreciation for your brand, the one that you're selling, the one that you're tasting, and yeah, so, but the hope. I mean, whiskey festivals they will come back and they will go back to relative normality, I guess, in that sense. But not all online stuff's bad, but. Well, whiskey festivals is about asking the person directly, "Do you like the whiskey you've just drank?" Yeah. Part of, part of the kind of great thing about whiskey is the people. And it sounds cliche, but it's it's true. The, the part of it is about the people getting folks feedback, speaking to people, getting to know people. Like it's 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 good. Like how, I mean, if you can drink whiskey in a pub or at a festival, yeah, or drink whiskey in your house alone, you're, there's only one winner. Yeah, and it's the sort of and maybe beers for quite, for a few years now has moved in that direction you're more craft beers and stuff that if you were sitting at a bar mm. and you're sitting having a whiskey and someone else comes up and orders a whiskey yeah you've immediately got an interest mm-hmm. because maybe they've ordered the only decent whiskey on the bar or whatever it is uh, or a whiskey you like or they're asking the barman about a whiskey uh-huh. and the barman doesn't know but you know because you're interested it introduces people well it's an icebreaker in the sense yeah. it introduces people and beers move, move in that way because if they order a, like a, a specific beer mm-hmm. that it's an icebreaker and you can speak to someone who you have no, no connection you've with. You've got a common interest. You've yeah. got a common passion and a hobby. 
Yeah. Um, and that's probably why whiskey is so important to a lot of people because it is more, someone than, just just, it's more than just an alcoholic drink. Yeah. It is a passion, it's a hobby. Some, some, someone who's sitting drinking a, a, a Smirnoff and Coke at a bar isn't going to have a conversation with the person who's, who's ordered a glass uh, and Coke at the bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. me drinking a Glen Scotia at the bar and you drinking it in a Canadian, there's an immediate conversation right. to be had. How does yours taste? Yeah. Let's chew the fat a bit, basically. Yeah. Um, but what do you think of the actual taste of this whiskey? We've, we've, <laughs> we've uh, battered on a lot about how we love this distillery and it's went through its hard times and how it's now looking like a very good branded and flavoursome product. Um, but what do you, you actually think of the nose? I mean, I th- we, we spoke about the nose and you get the funkiness and the saltiness and you get yeah. a little bit of the sort of fruity, sort of dark cherries. Um, sort of cocktail, what the cocktail cherries called? Glazed cherries? Yeah, the glazed cherries. Yeah. There's, a, there's another name, I can't remember. But you do get this sweetness through. It's very, very nice. Really thick. You can, you like, it's a, it's a difficult one. You can smell that it's a th- like a thick yeah. whiskey, meaty it's, whiskey. It's got depth. Yeah. It's got depth. The palate and the finish emulate the nose. Right. You're not let it down. You're, you're more impressed. It's, it's a very consistent, the, from what you smell in the nose, Apart mm. from the little sort of smoky embers that you start to build up in the finish, right. it's it's straight throughout. There's no sometimes with finishes maybe the finishes you're been, let down. The finish has been too short. You get it on the nose, a little bit in the palate, and poof, it's gone. This finish, it, you can it, it goes all the way through. It's a good length. The finish is consistent throughout the whole dram. It's not just a short, sharp. Yeah, a flash in the pan. Three minutes in the in the the Tony Port cask and then out again. You tell it's probably spent around a year, maybe even longer than that. Tony Porter. Yeah, I, th- I think it was. I think it was American bourbon barrels seasoned with Tony Porter. Mm. So I would quite like to know. I, I couldn't find it, but I'd quite like to know how that happened. Like, what was it? Was it was the Tony Porter put in for six months? Was it put in yeah. for a year? But you can really taste it on 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 the palate. You've got. I think it is similar to the nose, but you've got a lot more introduction of kind of brambles. Um, for our non-Scottish listeners, it's uh, blackberries, I believe, uh, but they grow wilder in Scotland. But I think it's really kind of brambly. You've got a lovely kind of apple pie, but that kind of sweetness coming at the end, that kind of vanilla, almost a vanilla custard, I think. Mm. On the finish, you've got a really long finish. It's a Camelton whiskey. It's not going to disappoint. Peat smoke throughout, and then more just of those kind of wild kind of uh, brambles, maybe a wee bit kind of raspberry, like really, really quite interesting. I, I, I really, really like this dram. And I think it, it's well as being non-chill filtered. And no, because it's non-chill filtered, and you drop a little bit of water in there, because the oil yeah. and fat's nest is still in there, when you add a little bit of water, it does sort of move everything around and gives you slightly different flavours. Right. Um, I think when you add a little bit of water, you start to get a little bit more citrusy sort of note just starting to come in mm. adding a little different turn to it right. um, than just fully through it but it cash around 52.8 it's it it doesn't very, taste that strong it's, it's very, very easy drinking yeah absolutely so a really really good whiskey um, yeah so moving on to the third whiskey uh, and also the third beer um, not really doing beer to whiskey pairings. It's more just 
beers that we found interesting. Yeah, we, it's just we like beer, so might as well. So what's your third around. beer that you've moved on so to? So I've got a, a Bruton Weekend Hooker. It's a Lariage 5% and it's from the town of Peterhead, I think. Let's see the bottle. Yep. Oh, so like the uh, tune, as in the, like the blue tune. Ah, the blue tune. Um, yeah, the Peterhead team. Um, I'm trying to think, but it's a really taste. So I've moved on to a... a That's a really nice lager. Yep. Münchner Weiss. German. German. From Hofbräu München. Weiss, a wheat meal. Um, yeah, the the Tusker was particularly interesting. What was it? How was the Tusker? It was, I mean, it was a lager. Yeah, it was. Did it, uh, yeah, it was, uh, did it promise? Did it? No, no. Did it deliver on its promises? I should say. Well, the the, the promise of sunshine. Um, I had sunshine in Glasgow just uh, now. It was nice. I would drink it again if somebody offered me it. But if I was looking for a, I mean, it, it, standard. Sort it of promised lager. the world. I thought. Promised the world, and it it, 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 um, it it was nice. Um, I would try. I would try it again. If it was there. Um, so yes, the third whiskey we're moving on to is one that's quite interesting. I'm really excited about this. Um, it's quite interesting for myself in the sense it was a gift. Uh, I'll t- give you the backstory of it. Uh, within my job, my previous job, I went on a, a, a whiskey tasting tour of Sweden. Oh, sounds fortunate. Aye. Uh, and the great thing about Sweden there's many great things about Sweden. But the, the great things to do with whiskey in, in Sweden is that the, the first and foremost, the humour is very similar to Scottish humour. Is it? Yeah. And Swedish people speak exceptional English. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, 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 I mean, I've, I've had people from Scandinavia in general correct my grammar on the English that I speak because their English is actually better. Um, so the same humour in you don't have to go through a translator when you do tastings, which is particularly annoying when you have to do it. The also great thing is because of the Swedish alcohol system, uh, butcher the name, but I would pronounce it the system blagger. Right. Um, it's all government controlled. So yeah, government, I've, heard, I've heard that. So yeah. It's government controlled shops. I think it's the Finland's the alcohol, something or other. And then Norway's the Vimlo bladder or something. Right. Again, butchering the names probably. So it's all government-controlled shops, and within that, a normal tasting tour or a normal market visit in a, in, a, in a country around the world is you would visit independent retailers, say hello to the owner, shake hands, yeah. speak about your yeah, whiskeys. But you can't do that within the government system. So all that meant was that I was say, a tasting from Monday to Friday every night, and I was able to just travel by train yeah. within Sweden mm-hmm. to these different places visit some wonderful places on this um, on this tour. It's quite well in, like quite good train system. Yeah, fantastic. Is it? Um, so I went from Stockholm down to Malmo to Gothenburg and then to I forget the name of the town Ahos, I think it's pronounced. Right. Again, might be incorrect. But where they make absolute vodka. Right, okay. So I've went to town in not where boxes from this is completely on a side note, but the but they did an interesting thing because Ahos is quite a small town yeah they've redone the whole electrical grid because the distillery to make absolute vodka used so much electricity that the houses and stuff and the, the businesses would lose the electricity right so they've redone the whole e- electrical system so the electrical the, the electricity in that town was like cutting out or because, doing stuff yeah. because the distillery yeah. was 
taking too much. Yeah. So, right. so the story that I was told at the time was that because of this, the distillery itself invested in the electrical system within the town. Right. I think it made it cheaper for everybody else and all that. Sort of That's cool. So it's absolutely fascinating tour. And the great thing about Swedish people is they're very generous as well. So throughout the whole tour, after every tasting, not that they were particularly good um, tastings, but I'm saying my ability to do them, they give you gifts. Right. And that varied from Gothenburg gin, and that was particularly nice, all the way through to this bottle. Right. Uh, this bottle of box. box. So I eventually did a tasting for a good friend. Uh, in Sweden, um, any him and his whiskey club gifted me a bottle of this box, single cask, privately owned, um, non each whiskey. Uh, Does that like that's one of a kind or one of a few? Well, it's or... one from his cask. Right. Okay. So um, I'm pretty sure that the people within the whiskey club invested in a bottle of ca- uh, invested in buying the cask. Right. And then I was gifted this bottle. Uh, so it's a non age, but it was distilled in. 2013 and then was bought up in 2016 which is roughly when I went there I may have went mm. towards the end of 2016 to the end of 2017 three year old whiskey three year old whiskey but a gift very very interesting and I haven't opened it since I got it obviously till now you thought you'd open it for the inaugural podcast I thought if, if I'm not going to open it for birthdays Christmases and New Year's then there needs to be a, a special reason in, in that one being yeah. this podcast. Um, so it was a gift. It was very, very nice to receive it. The Box Distillery, or what used to be known as Box Distillery, is now known as High Coast Distillery. Right. So around, what, 2018, about two years ago, just three years ago now, that we're in 2021, um, there was a confusion, apparently, um, with Compass Box. Right. I don't know how confused I would get from a compass box, a London-based independent bottler. Yeah. And box distillery, a distillery in Sweden. Yeah. Releasing single malt box whiskey. There isn't much confusion in my mind. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's that. But if different. You, if you didn't know, and you were looking at a shelf, you may assume that it's similar. And I guess is why there was a change. I don't know. It's very, It's kind of very different to look at. Like even like compass box, I would think. Quite a niche whiskey to get into. Compass boxes artwork, yeah, and they're, they're labeling the really bottom. good, really good, yeah. really blended, blended malts and stuff. Innovative like, in what they're doing. Yeah, some of the stuff the hedonism, the this is not a luxury whiskey and stuff. Really pushing the boundaries of what whiskey is designed like and mm. the way it's made and everything like that. And if you look at the pictures on our Instagram or on our Twitter um, of this box label, mm-hmm. there wouldn't be any confusion. But I could, I could imagine if you were looking at the two for the first time, you'd assume there was some connection. Potentially, right. yeah. So they changed the name of High Coast in two thousand and eighteen. Uh, High Coast. I don't know where the name originates from, but I could guess because it's on the east coast or just off the east coast of Sweden. And have you been to that distillery? I've never you've been, not been. I've never been. But you've got a bottle. From I've got a bottle. A friend from. who was an importer, or a no, no. They just they were a whiskey club in oh, Sweden. Oh, whiskey club, right? And they bought. A and they have a cask. They invested in right. a cask, which I believe you can still do in box distillery, uh, high coast distillery. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is particularly interesting. Again, it was a gift. It's a single cask, but not just a single cask released by the distillery, uh, a private single cask. So we are a small cask, 40 litres, ex bourbon. So 40 litres is very small. Yeah. You're talking the American standard barrel is 
what, 200 litres, yeah. and you're talking hogshead is 250, 250 and thereabouts. Yeah. So this is an extremely small cast. What you could have in your kitchen. Aye. That sort of thing. Well, you'd hope. Aye. You'd, you'd love a 40 litre cask sitting in your kitchen. So, small cask, 40 litres, eggs bourbon. Yeah. Um, it's peated. It's 44 ppm. Right. So what we were looking at with the Glen Scotia was about 22 ppm. Th- yeah, I think so. Campbelltown. Yeah. Um, but, so this is 44. Yeah. So, should be slightly more peated, hence why we're trying it last. But, um, it's... It's got the makings of a very interesting whiskey. Yeah. Um, the age. And is, it, is it Swedish peat? Yeah. It's Swedish peat. 44 ppm. Cash strength, 62. 62%. 62%. I mean, oh. three-year-old. Cash strength, 62. Yeah. Peated. Interesting to try. Small cask. Yeah. We'll probably come across, you wouldn't necessarily, it might be three years old, but we'll come across with maybe a lot of wood influence. Yeah. Um, you might need a little bit of water because yeah. but, but what you'll find on uh, with a smaller cask is basically quicker maturation yeah. the more spirit to wood contact makes the spirit interacts with the wood and in, in the summer months goes into the wood Yeah. in the winter months it comes back out but it doesn't come back out with nothing to show it comes mm-hmm. back out with all the kind of fats oils, acids if you've got a smaller cask, when you're speaking there about say the fluctuation and yeah. temperatures between the winter and the summer, like because of how north this distillery is, right, it goes from being minus thirty degrees Celsius, sorry, Celsius, Celsius, and it can fluctuate seventy degrees. Really? Well, it's seven. All right, so so I if, if it was in Celsius, it would go from minus thirty to plus forty. To plus forty. Ah, right. Okay. Right. There's a big temperature switch. There's a big temperature switch. So we're talking about the influx uh, of the wood and then... And flavor-wise, you're getting a lovely, lovely smokiness on the on the nose. Mm. Somebody said there's a whiskey. I would say it was Scottish. I would say it was Scottish whiskey. So, some interesting little points about High Coast Distillery that I picked up. Uh, 82.5 hours fermentation is our standard. What yeah. do do? They use French distiller's yeast. Right, okay, so maybe the distiller's yeast that I mentioned earlier on, similar yeast to Nognean and Fermentus, mm-hmm. potentially. So what you were looking for, fruity esters uh, yeah. to come through. Um, they do their first cut in 13 minutes. So is that a time thing rather than, yeah. From the information that I could look and find for this distillery is the first how, cut. How big are the stills, do you know? Because that's quite, like, if it's re- it's a relatively small distillery, so say, say if it's like a 1,600 litre, 1,500 yeah. litre still, yeah. you'd probably make the first cuts after around about 10. And, like, that doesn't sound that much different to yeah. 30 minutes, but it makes a lot of, it makes a lot of difference. So I presume they probably have a bigger still, a bigger spirit still, mm-hmm. maybe 2,500 litre. But I haven't looked into anything because I was hoping you would be able to tell me. And I know that's quite a niche question I've asked. Yeah. Uh, and as a distiller, that's something I would be thinking about. Uh, and it's not something a, a former brand ambassador or brand manager would, would be thinking about mm. the size of the still but that's something I, I, I'm looking into um, but really it's a really nice whiskey it, 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 like, it's 
It's scotch whiskey on the nose, if not a wee bit lighter. It's really, really light, light and sweet. It's a light, sweet nose, but yeah. you obviously get the peat. But it's not like a kind of deep, dark peat that you get. The peat doesn't overshadow the other flavours. No, no, no. It's it's complimentary. Yeah. I mean, on the nose, there isn't a lot. There isn't a high spirit coming from the nose. No. Right, and it's 62%. Yeah. Palette-wise... Yeah, you're getting a wee bit of oakiness. You're getting lovely caramel. I taste any sort of, See when you eat popcorn, yeah. sometimes you accidentally eat a popcorn caramel that's not popped. Right, okay. In the microwave. Yeah. It's got that sort of slightly nutty note to it. Based right. on that little bit of popcorn, like buttered popcorn. Yeah. I mean, big influence from the cask. Eggs bourbon, huge influence. Yeah. It's very creamy, very sweet. I think it's like pure, just like melted butter. Yeah. Like it's like melted butter yeah. on the nose. Bit. It's like dipping, it's almost like dipping like bits of bread in a melted butter. Mm. It's got a little bit of thickness in there, but mostly just creamy, buttery, vanilla. That's what you're going to get from such a young whiskey, to be honest. Mm. Like, not, not overpowering in alcohol. Yeah. Not even like... Having never opened this bottle and never tried it before... But this is the this is the first time we're trying. I've ever even looked at this distillery. I don't I don't actually think I've tried any high coast. No, not at all. In outside of this one, and to be honest, it's probably intriguing me to go and try some more. Yeah. Um. Albeit, you would say this is a very niche bottling of a whiskey. Yeah. Try the cask. Single cask, single bottle. Bottled four years, five years ago. Bottled five years ago. Put on the shelf and looked at once in a while, but not never been yeah. appreciated. So high coast now might have changed. That might be different, but this specific bottle, it's it's very good to be. To be honest, I'd be looking for more smoke. Like it's forty ppm or forty four ppm. Mm. I would be looking for more more smoke. I'm going to add a wee bit more water. I've added a drop already, but I'm going to add a wee drop more just in case the kind of it's smoke's not, hiding in there. It's not a. If you had a Scottish whiskey at 44 ppm, you'd expect a lot more smoke I think and peat so. coming yeah, through. I think but this so. is, it's, it's very, it's almost like a a whiskey that you would, people who don't like peated whiskeys, you would always say, hey, yeah, try this. This is, this is a great introduction just, to it's it. It's kind of like a Scottish whiskey, but I can't compare it to any other Scottish whiskey. I wouldn't. I don't know because you, you've got you've got your Isla big peat hitters. You've got Campbelltown. You've got Long Row. Then you've got um, what's the whiskey Tom and Tool do? They do a peated version. Uh, can't remember. But it's it's not it's not like that at all. Mm. Like, and I presume that's down to it being Swedish peat. It's not Scottish peat. It's not Isla peat, and it's not East Coast peat or Speyside peat. It's a peat that's unmeasurable. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not, to be honest, the nose promises a lot. The palate doesn't get as much finish. Not really there. Yeah. But it's like when you compare Scottish whiskies and people say this is non-Isla peat, there's a similarity between... Yeah. Because it's non-Isla peat's a little bit more earthier, a little bit more fruitier. Yeah, yeah. It's not medicinal. It's not as medicinal as Isla peat, so there's a comparison to be had where having never tried a peated Swedish whisky or a whisky with Swedish peat used... Yeah. There's, there's nothing you can really make a comparison to. Um, but it's very interesting. I'm glad that I actually opened it. Um, well, I'm, I, it's, it is very interesting. It's obviously a very good spirit. They're taking good care. 
of the whole process and it was matured in a very small cast so you're expecting a lot of flavour um, and you're getting it you are getting a lot of flavour but I'd say like on the nose the promise is a lot the palate isn't as, isn't as much mm. um, and then the finish is there but it's not, it's not quite enough and that's just typical of a young whiskey yeah. a young peated whiskey that hasn't had as long as it could or is it deserves in the cask but a brilliant a brilliant gift um, I mean I'm, I'm really happy that you've opened it because I've never tasted box single malt before and I'm very impressed I'll be keeping so an eye out for it box distillery the high coast started production in 2010 was made in 2013 bottled in 2016 so they had three years experience production with, with this distillery yeah we're now in 2020. High Coast has grown, so that may mean more investment in casks, cask management, and everything, and all that that comes with being successful distillery. So you just really, really entices me to go out and buy a bottle of High Coast yeah. and try it and see how something that was relatively young in their whiskey making in lifetime yeah. to what they're, they're releasing. Right, they've obviously got their heads screwed on, like they've obviously know what they're doing. Because it is a it's a very good whiskey. Yeah. It is very good. Like I've tasted a lot worse ten year old and twelve year olds. Oh, absolutely! It's a really really nice whiskey. Mm. It's just lacking a bit, and I think that's age. I think it's age, but I do really like it. Yeah, it's very very good. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm pleased that we opened it. Yeah, no, I definitely am. Definitely am. Thoroughly impressed with the high coast distillery. I hadn't heard of it before. Ronan had. Uh, said I want to, I want to taste this whiskey in the first podcast. It obviously means something to him. Um, special whiskey given to him by a friend, mm. and yeah, I really like it. I will drink it again. Yeah, but I th- I personally think scales of a hundred are stupid. <laughs> I think you don't need a scale as big as that. These whiskey reviewers do not give any whiskey. That's not within the 70, 80, 92. That's kind of fair enough. Whatever. But there is some whiskies that are not very nice. Maybe they just don't review them. Yeah. Uh, but we're probably going to review them. But if they're good, they're good. And I think today it's been nothing but good. And that kind of hopefully how our podcast, Cast and Strength, the whiskey podcast, carries on. Uh, we're good whiskies, but I'm not afraid of reviewing the the bad whiskies, the the not as good whiskies. Yeah, I'm always of the opinion that I might not like a whiskey, but someday, someday, someday else will. Obviously, does, uh, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It's just not to my taste. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's fair. Maybe it was a bit harsh, but I am sticking by my guns. Yeah. Um, so therefore, we'll look at the. We'll go from the first one that we tried the Yeah, the um, batch to 46%, unchilled filter, natural colours, ticking all the boxes. Mm. It's a very impressive whiskey. Everything about that distillery I like. I like yeah. how it's very environmental conscious. Uh, I like how it's natural colour, it's unchilled filtered, and I like the flavour of it. It's great. The nose is great. Lemon, oak, creaminess, the palate's kind of golden syrup. Really slight spiciness and chocolate finish. It's short. The way I looked at it was the the 
background, the story, the reasons of um, they're making this whiskey before I've even tasted the thing. Yeah. Um, it's something that probably I value quite a lot. Um, everything about it is good. Mm-hmm. The whole story behind it, everything they're doing is absolutely excellent. And the whiskey they're doing is really, really good. Okay. Move on to the Glen Scotia. Right. Okay. Yeah. I just thought thickness, the the influence of the, the, the port finish, cash strength, and, and a more influential peat note than we got on the last whiskey, just made for an absolutely fantastic whiskey. Yeah. Um, just the whiskey itself, the Glen Scotia, is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. To me, this is what I look for in a whiskey. I'm yeah. looking for smoke. I'm looking for some sort of wine finish or maturation. Uh, I'm looking for a depth that this whiskey has. I'm looking for the salty. I'm looking for the coastal notes. I'm looking for a really kind of oily palate. And I'm looking for a really long finish that I'm tasting in my mouth after five minutes after it. Yeah. I take the first and it just drink. keeps growing and growing. And, and, and that's what I get from this whiskey. Yeah. I get that from this whiskey. Is it the best whiskey I've ever had? No, it's not. It's not. Um, is it nearly the best? Yeah, it's probably in the top. It's probably in the top. It is a 50 it or is a something. Bit, yeah. But it's been a very, very, very good whiskey. Mm. Um, it's not exceptional. It's not unicorn. Mm. It's just a very good whiskey. And a whiskey I could drink all the time. On to the Swedish whiskey, the box. The box. It is. It's it's a whiskey I'm fond of. Uh, automatically fond of because it's one free uh, to a gift. Very, very surprising. It's nice. It's easy to drink. It's something I would drink. If somebody put dram after dram after dram down it, I wouldn't tire of drinking it. Yeah. But being so young, there's not really a hugely discernible character that you can yeah. point out and go, this is from High Coast Distillery. Yeah. Now, I'm saying that as someone who's never tried any other High Coast Distillery. Uh, but it's, it's a great, easy drinking, very soft on the smoke, repeatedness whiskey. Yeah. It's, it's, just a, it's just a really good, easy drinking whiskey, which, yeah. I mean, I suppose is the minimum that anyone would ever want in making a whiskey. It's like people can enjoy it. Right, freely. Uh, what about yourself? I like this whiskey, and I do really like it. It's got a touch of smoke. My nose is absolutely really nice. It's uh, kind of that. What you want from a smoked whiskey, you've got the peat, but it's not overpowering, but yeah. you've also got a bit of flavour. I always let down on the palate. I thought it would be more. It doesn't have the pure alcohol burst that you think you would get from a 62% whiskey because, well, I guess the smaller cask uh, has had a lot of effect. Yeah. On the spirit. The finish I thought was quite short. And this is me picking out the bad points. But I did not dislike this whiskey. I thought it was a really good whiskey. I'd be intrigued to see what they're producing uh, for myself. I purposely, when you said, I'm going to bring this whiskey. I really want to try this whiskey. I was like, I'm not going to look this whiskey up. Because I want to, I want to taste it under like no... Like like we tasted the, the McNeat. Yeah. We both were like, yeah, we really like this distillery. But with the, with the box, the third whiskey we tried, I would just be looking for a wee bit more. But I will also be looking into what they produce in the future. I think the one thing that trying that uh, box is giving us is, is the look at going, right, we'll go out and try some, some of the stuff they're doing now. Yeah, and then, definitely. I mean, but let's have more. Yeah. Like, imagine we tried it and we went, wow, that's a not very nice whiskey. 
I've never, I really never want to drink that whiskey again or anything from them. We've tried it and we went, let's, let's go for, do, let's go do more. I mean, from your first experience of a whiskey, and it's probably the same with Nathanian because I, I've never tried Nathanian before. Yeah, yeah. Is it, the only thing I'm really taking away from it is, let's, let's try more. Let's try more. This is the, the, the means of the distillery that I've kept an eye on from when it was, when it was started in 2017 because of the way they're doing things, 100% organic barley. Giving everything back to the land that they can, yeah. Um, that catches you right. That that makes you want to want that distillery. That's why we're reviewing it this first podcast. You know, so really, we know Glen Scotia. We did not know Nickneen. That was the first time I ever tried yeah. it. We did not know Box, yeah. and we're both now we want to drink more Nickneen and more uh, and more Box, and which more. is really positive. I mean, and we'll we'll always go back to Glen Scotia. Yeah, but, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But Scotia's safe. Scotia's like. Something will always be drunken. Yes, it's a the whiskey. If you've never tried a Glen Scotia whiskey, or you've never tried a Campbelltown whiskey, mm. then it's always one that you should go and try. Yeah, Campbelltown's obviously a sort of marmite region for whiskey drinkers. Yeah. It's either you like Campbelltown whiskey or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever manage to see a bottle of the Tony Port fourteen year old malt festival yeah. bottle on so, the shelf, so, then so then it's well worth. So that so going from the what the in order that Nicknean. We bought from Greenwelly Time Drum Whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's about fifty pounds, isn't it? So it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. The Gun Scotia was a wee bit more expensive, I think. Um, about seventy, I think. Yeah, it was roughly around that. Yeah, and probably worth for probably worth what it's what it costs. And yeah, the box, probably definitely worth more now. Aye, well, like now, after, after aye. purchase, yeah, yeah, it is a very a very good whiskey, and the the box was free, so that averages out. And I think at that point, thank you very much for listening. Yep, thank and we'll you. We'll see much. you next time. See you next time.